Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 15. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. It wasn't the badness of his life that brought him to his senses. It was the goodness of his father. What he remembered was what it was like to be at home. Y'all listening? What it was like to be at home. How blessed he was with his father. It wasn't his own badness that brought him to his senses. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says exactly that. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance? Is that right? It's the goodness of God that leads men to to repentance. And notice the progression. He thinks, he remembers, he owns it, he decides, he turns around, and he repents. So he's on his way home and while walking. He's thinking and probably practicing what he's going to say. He's walking, and he's probably thinking, okay, I'll say when I get home, just rehearsing, when I get home, I'm going to say, Dad, you know, like I I really messed up. I thought I could do it on my own, but no, 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 that's not going to work. I had to say something else, this thing. thing." Okay, this is what I'll say. Dad, you know, we didn't get off to a good start. When I left, it was like not, no, 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 I didn't say that. I can't say that. I can't say that. He's walking, and he's thinking, what he might say. And while he's walking, get this, you'll love it. And while he's walking, this is one dramatic story here. And while he's walking, we get the impression from the text that the father is looking. It's almost like dad is every day looking out on the horizon. Is he coming home today? Is he coming home today? Maybe today? Maybe today? The father, then one day, he sees him coming toward the house from a distance. And the Bible tells us that his father saw him and he ran and he kissed him and he welcomed him home. Now listen to me. This is the only time in the Bible that God is pictured as being in a hurry. Remember I told you the father represents who? God. Did you hear me? The father represents God. Here we have a picture, the only time in the Bible where we see a father in a hurry. Now listen, in the Jewish culture, it was um, not classy. It was undignified for an elderly man to run. In Jewish culture, elderly men do not run. Matter of fact, you go to Israel today and you can see elderly people don't run, not only because it's physically maybe challenging, but it's inappropriate. It's inappropriate for them to take, you know, they wear a long tunic or whatever, and then they, they would have to pull it up, tie it up around their, their legs, and make them out of shorts, and then take off running. 
that was inappropriate. But here we see the only time in the Bible where we see God is running, and notice he is running to offer forgiveness. God is always running to offer forgiveness. Anybody happy about that? Anybody happy about that? He's always running to offer forgiveness. And it is possible, listen, that the father ran out to the son to protect him. Because the law said that if a a child acted this way, that they were to be stoned. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe we should go back to that. But they should be stoned. I don't know. Again, I come from the old school, y'all. I mean, my mom, she didn't play. If you act this way with my mother, you, you, whatever is nearest to her, that is what you're going to get hit with. You know what I mean? Nowadays, it's like, oh, no, no, no. Like I said, no, no, no. Now, look, look, you do something, my mom, if, if there's, you know, there's like something, a pole, <laughs> I mean, she just pick it up, woof. My mother, if she didn't play, I'd be like, whoa, you missed me, huh? And then she'd come around to the left, boom. I'd be like, oh, man, mom. My mom didn't play. And they would stone kids because they didn't play in the Bible either. And if you speak this way to your parents or you disrespect your parents, people would stone you. Maybe the father was running out to the son to protect him because he knew that if the elders of the city saw that boy coming through the gate, that they would then stone him. Now, listen, parents, here's something for you. If your child says, I want to be on my own, listen, don't get in the way. Or better yet, let's go one step better. Don't get in God's way. If they want to be on their own, you need to let them. Let them go. And one day, and listen, that one day will come when they realize that they're eating with pigs. And when they come back, they'll be saying, make me. When this boy left, he was saying, give me. Give me my portion. Give me my money. But when he came back, he was saying, make me one of your servants. See, if you let them go, you got to, sometimes you got to get out of God's way. I know we love our children. Is anybody listening to me? I know we love our children, but sometimes you cannot do for them all the time, no time, ever can you do for them what only God can do in the heart. Because we're talking about a heart issue here. Uh Uh-huh. Is that right? That's right. And, and, and you have got to let God do it. You got to let God. If they say, I want to go out on my own and do my own thing, and especially if they're in your home and they're not abiding by your rules, well, that takes it up a notch in my house. Oh, you don't want, you don't want to abide by the rules here? Uh, it's not leave. It's get out. You got to go. I love the Lord. I love Jesus too much to let you live in sin here. And I love you too much. And I love you too much. So sometimes you got to get out of the way and let the Lord do what he's going to do in them. He comes to his father and he says, make me a slave. And the father says, no, I'll make you a son. The son now has a true sense of unworthiness and and thus a confession of sin. And when we come to God in forgiveness and humility and we say, God, make me your slave. God says, no, I'll make you a son. Look at verse 21, if you will. The son starts to give his rehearsed speech. And before he could finish, notice the father sees him. He runs out and he smothers him with kisses. I mean, he didn't just come out and just like kiss like on the cheek. He was like kissing him like 
all over, like, oh, my son just kissed him, like sloppy kisses all over him. He's smothering with kisses, and he puts on the best robe. Did you get that in verse 22? Hmm? Did you get it? Put on the best robe. He put the ring on, and he put sandals on. Listen, the best robe, what would that be? That would be the father's robe. The best robe would be the father's robe. The Bible teaches that the father robes all of those who come to him in righteousness. The unworthy become worthy. The unrighteous become righteous. And he said, put a ring on his finger, which was a sign of a covenant, a guarantee that God has given us his spirit as a guarantee that he'll come and he'll keep his covenant with us and put sandals on, which helps you to walk straight and shoes for sore feet. And that brings healing. So the son couldn't finish his sentence, and the father heard all he had to, that he needed to hear. I've sinned. I'm not worthy. And the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin, right? And the father says, forget about it. Don't worry about it. Let's have a party. Look at verse 24. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is what? Found. The Bible teaches him when we come to Christ, he clothes us and robes us in his own righteousness. And we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I told you in verse 24, 25, things change. So the older brother was in the field. He was headed home. He heard music and dancing. He asked one of the servants, he says, your brother has come home and your father threw a party. Look at verse 28. And he was, did you get that? He was what? He was angry. And he wouldn't go in. Now, the next statement is probably one of the most remarkable in this parable. Therefore, the father came out and pleaded and begged him. The son was angry, and he said, I'm not going in. I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm not going to have fun. You know, the Bible says pride goes before what? A fall. You know, pride goes before a fall. But pride also will keep you from having fun. Pride isolates And he's standing outside. Now, I can see two people in this older brother. First of all, the self-righteous, judgmental believer. I see that in this older brother. He says, I've worked for the Father. I've worked for the church. I've served. And if it's that easy, why should I even try? And then the second person I see in this older brother is the religious unbeliever who keeps the law their whole life, and they're focused on works. And he doesn't understand the gospel, and he doesn't understand grace. The father loves the older brother as much as he loves the prodigal. Listen, the father loves the older brother as much as he loves the prodigal. And the same love that caused him to run to the prodigal is the same love that caused the father to go outside because the son wouldn't come in. And that's the same love that God has for you and for for myself. Look at verse 29. The older brother said, Father, I've been here. I've slaved for you. I've never trespassed your commandment, and you never gave me a goat. But as soon as he comes home, after blowing everything, you throw a party. Listen to his heart. And the son's heart here is the same as the prodigal son. Listen, both of these boys are prodigals. Both of them. Notice one son is wasteful and sinful and not understanding the benefit that the father wants to provide for his life and later comes to his senses to come home. And the other brother is home 
but he's still at a distance from the father's heart. Because when the father begins to forgive, he doesn't understand it. One son is softened by the father's love. The other is hardened by the father's love. One son is drawn to the father because of his love. And the the older son is repulsed and pushed away because of the father's love. Both of these boys are prodigals because they're away from the father's heart and they are away from the father's intention. But notice in verse 32, the father said, it is right that we should be happy for your brother because he was dead and he's alive again. He's lost and he is found. It is right when one person gives their life, we talked about it last time, when one person gives their life to the Lord, we should rejoice. That's why I have you clap your hands. When somebody raises their hand to receive Christ, I have you clap your hands because we need to rejoice. Because if the angels in heaven rejoice and all of heaven rejoice, then shouldn't we? It is right to have a party. It is right to be excited. Now, here's where I want you to take some notes, and then we'll come in for a landing. Look at, look at and I'm going to give you like some points, about 10 of them, and I'll give them to you quickly. But, but some points that, that we can learn, just kind of a high-level view of this parable. And you kind of write some of these things down. Point number one is sometimes you got to let go. We learned that. Sometimes you got to let go. And then number two, sometimes God will let you go. He will let you see what the outcome of sin really brings. Do you realize the Bible is true when the Bible says the wages of sin is what? It's true. Sin always leads to death. As somebody once said that sin will take you further than you want to go. You'll stay longer than you want to stay, and you'll pay more than you want to pay. It's true. And God will sometimes allow you to, because some people, they won't learn. Are y'all listening? Some people will not learn unless they go. People say, well, oh, experience is the best teacher. It doesn't have to be. But some people won't learn until you let them go. God will let them go so that they can see the outcome of sin and what it can do. Number four, number three, pardon me, you need to wake up. Listen, until a person, and I'm probably, I hope I'm talking to somebody here. Until a person gets the point and gets to the point where he comes to himself, change cannot take place place. You don't enable an addict. You don't enable, I'm just trying to help you and keep it real. You don't enable an addict. You don't help an addict. And and you don't get involved in that. Because until they come to the point where they say, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired, when they get to that point, then they will be set free. Until they get to that point, They cannot be helped. They need to come to their senses. I know. I know. I've been the AA, NA, and I've played the game. But I knew that they weren't helping me. But when I came to my senses and gave my life to Christ on January 23rd, 1982, God took drugs and and all of that whole life, lifestyle, out of my life completely, 
just like that. I didn't need to go to another meeting. I didn't have any more counseling. I didn't need anything. God has set me free because the Bible says to whom the sun sets free is what? Somebody need to clap your hands like you know what I'm talking about. Isn't that true? God will just set you free just like that. And, and God set me free. I went to the AA and I'm, they're asking me, oh, how are you doing? And I went on an outpatient basis. How are you doing? Are you finishing, not doing drugs, finishing your drugs? <laughs> are you not doing drugs anymore? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not doing drugs anymore. I'm done with all that stuff there. I just got finished doing drugs before I walked in. This was the days before urine analysis in the, in the, uh, in the military. And uh, I went through all of that. And none of that really helped. But when God set me free, it was just like that. And it's been 27 years. 27 years. God has... I'm, oh, wait. But until that person gets to the place where they wake up and they come to their self, number three. Number four, healing starts with confession. When you sin, you don't only hurt the heart of God, but you hurt the heart of others. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Admit you're wrong and you need God's help. Number five. Notice the father's heart. He was willing, readily, ready to forgive and restore. God was not only willing, but God was waiting. The father was waiting. He saw the son afar off. You know, that implies that he was watching. When the son left, he didn't, he didn't just say, well, good riddance, bye, get out of here. And he, didn't, he didn't say, well, you know what? Don't let the doorknob hit you with a good Lord split you. Can you say that in church? I guess I just did. Anyway, he didn't have that heart. We don't get that from the text. We don't get that. We get the heart of a father whose heart was broken. He was willing. Well, point number five, he was waiting. He understands. God understands and he cares. And he loves you. He kissed his son again and again and again. God has tender affection for his people. Number six, don't give up on prodigals. Can you say amen, church? Don't give up on prodigals. Some of you have prodigals. Some pastors have prodigals. Where do you think you get the term PK kids from? The pastor's kids. Oh, the pastor's kids. You've all heard this. Oh, the pastor's kids are the worst kids in the church. Oh, they're just all, which in my case was sometimes true. But, you know, all the pastor's kids, all the pastor's kids are always into something. And, you know, pastors have prodigals. I was talking to some pastors this week. And some of their kids are, are prodigals. But you don't give up on prodigals. Listen, stay close to the Father's heart and don't give up on them. Letting go does not mean giving up. Letting go does not mean getting, giving up. You need to let go. Point number seven, God loves to find the lost. That's the message of the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 19 verse 10 is a theme verse for the entire book. The Son of Man came to seek and save those which were lost. Number eight, watch out for resentment. Don't watch others like the older brother did. You need to keep your eyes on the Father. Number nine, enjoy your relationship with the Lord. God wants us to enjoy our relationship with him. You know, the older son should have just enjoyed his relationship with his father. Not let pride and envy and jealousy eat up that time, but just enjoy your relationship with God. God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. 
And, 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 and the Bible tells us in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of, anybody know? Joy and at his right hand are pleasures evermore. Keep your eyes on the Father. God wants to bless you. God wants you to enjoy him. And then finally, rejoice when the lost are found. We should rejoice when the lost are found. I love it when people, you know, don't let yourself become a crusty Christian. I told you this before. Because, you know, we get like that sometimes. You know, after so many years in the church and you've seen people give their life to Christ, oh, it's no longer exciting. It's just kind of, okay, somebody else is giving their life to Christ. Listen, we need to rejoice when the lost is found. Amen. You can try. You can start right now. You can start right now. We need to rejoice when the lost is found. And and let the Lord do what God is going to do. God saves people, and I still believe that. And I know that God changes people because he changed me. And he can change you. And God does it instantly. And that's why here at Calvary Chapel, listen, you guys know, when I, when I do altar call, when I feel so led of the Lord to do an altar call, I will do one. Some people have asked me, how come you guys don't do altar calls here at Calvary Chapel? I tell them, altar calls don't save people. Altar calls do not save people. Jesus saves people. Altar calls don't save people. And I think we got in the church, we kind of got in this thing, you know, if you don't do an altar call at the end of the service, well, we didn't have church. Y'all know what, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, we didn't have church because they didn't even do an altar call. I mean, what kind of church is that? They didn't even do an altar call. What kind of church is that? No, uh, no, no, no. Altar calls don't save people. Jesus saves people. And when I give an altar call and ask people do they want to get saved, if y'all notice, I don't wait all day. If you want to get saved, you better do it quick. I mean, seriously, y'all got, y'all know. When I say, hey, would you like to receive the Lord? If you want to receive the Lord, raise your hand. You better get it up there quick because we ain't waiting all day. You ever been in a service like that where the preachers just wait, like, and they're like, well, we're going to pray. Would anyone like to receive Christ? And then everybody bowed their head. Everybody like to receive Christ. And they're just waiting, waiting. And then the preacher says, is there one? Is there one? And then like 15, 20 minutes later, is there one? And you want to, you know, one time, I, I remember it. It's like, that kills me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you do that, I'm not like, I don't even know you. But, but. If, that just drives me nuts. Look, if God's going to save people, God's going to save people. There's no point waiting 30 minutes. Is there one? Listen, if you want to get saved, you want to get saved. If you don't, you don't. That's between you and the Lord. I don't save anybody. God saves people. And if you want to be saved, then give your heart to Jesus. And God's like, is there one? Is there one? I'm listening to him. You know, I'm, I mean, I just want to raise my hand. I'm a pastor, y'all. And I just want to raise my hand because I'm like, look, there is one. This one, and I'm thinking, look, let me just get that. If I can help this brother, let me just help him. Because I'm thinking, I, I have got to get a turkey sandwich. I'm going to pass out. And, and he's like going on and on. Is there one? Is there one? If God, listen, if the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart, it's not going to take God all day. I have done many, many altar calls. Before I got to, would you like to give your life to Jesus? People were like this. Were you at Dorton Arena? Before I gave an altar call, people were already walking down the stair. Anybody can get excited about that? Because that was awesome. That was awesome. People are already walking down the stairs. Is there one? Listen, if there is just one, Pastor Rodney is happy. Because sometimes, is there one? Well, one person raised their hand, but, oh, there's another. I know there is another. (laughs) Isn't that like nuts? 
I'm sorry, this is crazy. Oh, yes, there. I know there is one more. God's telling me there is one more. Well, maybe there isn't one more. Really, maybe there isn't one more. Maybe that one, that sermon that you preach was for that one individual. Listen, I'll tell you really quick. Please don't grab your keys. Hold on. Listen, that one girl who gave her life to Jesus Christ at Bridgefest for everything that we've been through and the travel that we had to get there, and I had to write this sermon on an airplane and get back here, and all of that that we had to go through, I can tell you what, it was so worth it for that one 16-year-old girl just to come up and say, I gave my life to Jesus. It was worth it. Just one. Just one. Just one. The Bible says if just one will repent, all of heaven rejoices over just one. Not two, not three, not five, not ten. One. Because the road is narrow. Ain't that many people on it anyway. That's why I just one. The way that leads to destruction is wide. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.